0: Amen, that'll charge you up on it. Amen. Good to see you here this morning. So excited to be here with you this morning and just uh, continuing our series uh, as, we, as we talk about what it means to be a part of Cross Point Church and really looking at the DNA of our church. Uh, you know, this morning, I'm, I'm sort of an early riser, but this morning, I don't know what God had in store with me other than just to spend a little extra time in prayer or something, because I got up just before three. And, uh, and it, it was just, you know, it's one of those things where you just wonder, you know, is this what old age is all about? You know, just not being able to sleep, but but uh, it was a great time to just spend uh, with the Lord this morning in prayer, and I was so glad in the end that I, I had that opportunity just to have some extra time in prayer. And this is what I what I was praying for. I was praying that this morning, uh, a lot of things, but, but this is two things I just want to share with you. I was praying this morning that... Uh, that that we would come into this place truly excited about what God is doing in our lives. And, and I mean that. I mean, I, I know I say it all the time. I, I, I get very excited about a lot of things. But but I was praying this morning. I said, God, just allow us to be the, the kind of followers of Christ that really truly get excited about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, and, and what I know is this, is that, that an excited Believer, an excited uh, Christian, a follower of Jesus, is one that can be very contagious in a very dark world. People can see something in us; uh, those that are those of us who have been impacted by by Jesus in a remarkable way, and and they can see us as something that's different. You know, with excitement comes this this just this idea of th- that we are we are living a life with Christ, and we are filled with hope and joy instead of just living a life in despair. And so I, I pray that we have come into this place today and that we are ready to just worship Jesus uh, through the reading and the preaching of his word. I know we do that in our, in our time of singing and lifting up our voices and praises and adoration. I know that we do that in a time of, of giving our offering, where we offer to God, we give back something that he has already given us. But I pray that today we would be excited also about diving into God's word and hearing from him this morning because I know that God has a message for each and every one of us here today. So that's what I've been praying here. also pray that God would give us the faith to hear from him and, and to, to hear from God's word, to, to really believe. And when I say the faith to hear, I mean, obviously God can speak, but if we don't have the faith to respond to what it is that God is calling us to, then, then all that preaching, all that reading, all that listening to God's word is in vain and so I pray that we as a church would just be receptive to the voice of God this morning as we dive into his word and so that's my that's my prayer this morning uh, I do want to say as we talk about diving into God's word that this week starting tomorrow actually we uh, we begin our new semester of d groups and if you're not a part of a d group uh, uh, I encourage you to to check them out you can go right out here in our next steps area and see what's offered this semester but a great way to grow in your faith. Uh, Obviously, we want you to be a part of a life group because that's doing life together. But these are just some ways that that we can come together in a smaller setting and just hear uh, hear from God and and study his word together. So that's my prayer this morning, that we would be excited for Jesus. Let me ask you, how many of you are excited for Jesus this morning? (laughs) Anybody? That seemed a little weak, but maybe by the end when I ask you, it'll all change, okay? So that's my prayer. Uh, let's let's, di- let's just dive into a word of prayer this morning, and then we're going to get into his word together. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in our life, and we thank you for the opportunity that we can come in here, Lord, excited as believers and followers of Christ Jesus to, to know, God, that you are moving in such remarkable ways in our life maybe maybe in our life uh you're moving and and we don't recognize it but god i pray that all of us here today would recognize god that you are you are walking with us in this journey called christianity and father as we do that as we as we journey with you as we live with you and for you god i pray that you would speak into our hearts in such a mighty way I pray, God, today as we dive into your word and and we continue to study what it means to be a a, a body, a local gathering of believers called Crosspoint Church, as we examine the DNA of this this place. God, this, this gathering that you have assembled here together, I pray, Father, that you would allow us to get a glimpse in such a way that we would not only Lord, see that living for you is is important or or something that we value, but, God, something we must do together. And so, Father, I pray for this this morning. I pray, God, that we would be excited for our relationship that we have with you, and I pray that we would have the faith to, to respond to your voice as you speak. God, we love you, and we just thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if you were here last week, we were talking about uh, the, the reality of, of uh, that we are in this together. We talked about unity and the importance of unity in a, in a body in and in a local gathering of believers. It's, it's so important that we remain unified behind the vision of Christ and you, but remain unified in Christ Jesus. And so we were talking about this and, 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 and you know, we, we, we talked about how unity is one of those ways that collectively we can best glorify God maybe not so much on an individual level, but, but collectively as a church coming together, that when we remain or when we choose to, to remain unified together, that is one way that we can certainly bring glory to God. And, and that's not always easy. In fact, it can be difficult sometimes. And I think the reason is, is because, you know, uh, honestly, we have a tendency to be selfish in our life. Something that uh, used to just drive me nuts when me and my wife would go out to dinner—it doesn't anymore because I've changed. She's she's worked on me a little bit and she's got me straightened out a bit. But but we would go out to eat and and it never happened at home. It would always happen when we go out. But we would go out and and as usual, you know, when you sit down, you begin to wonder what you want to order, and and she would always ask me. She says, "What do you want?" And I. And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm thinking maybe fajitas today. And she said, well, I think I'm going to go with the Caesar salad. And, and, and we would proceed to order whatever it is that we're getting there. And then when the food came, the food came, and, it, and they brought those hot, sizzling fajitas, and they would lay them all in front of me. And then they bring that cold, limp salad to her. And, and there we are sitting there, and I'm so excited. I'm getting my, my, my tortilla all ready, you know, and I, it never fails. I see this fork come across the table and stick my meat. And that used to drive me nuts. It doesn't so much anymore. I've, I've grown up a little bit in the last few years, but, but, uh, but it used to just drive me crazy. And it, you know, when, when they bring a salad and then they bring me fajitas, I'm not thinking togetherness, okay? That's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about this is all mine and this is what I want and this is what I ordered. And if you want fajitas, then you need to order fajitas. And one of the things that she'll testify is, I don't like this two for one. Okay, I don't like that. I mean, it's just I I feel like you get smaller portions, and I want the full enchilada. You know what I mean? So I I just don't think togetherness when we do this. And so, but anyway, God's working on me, and I pray that that this morning, as we dive into this message, that we can understand that selfishness is one of those things that's sort of hidden within us, and if we're not careful, we allow that to to sort of keep us from working together in a lot of different ways. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about not just being unified, but the fact that we can do this together. And I want to explain this title a little bit here this morning before we dive into this, because you may be wondering, we'll do what together? And and, and I thought about that as I was praying through this message uh, months ago, as we were putting this series together. You know, I was trying to come up with the title of of, of what I wanted to call this this message, and I, and I came up with, "We can do this together, but, but a title like that typically would point to something like a, you know, like, like a, a mission project. Hey, we can do this mission pro- project together or whatever. But as I put this message together, I, I felt like what God was laying on my heart was this. Is that we can do a lot of different things together. You know, I think about a lot of the ways, a lot of the things that we're going through as individuals, and the struggles that we face, and and the reality that we have care groups and d groups and life groups that, that people that love us, and even within this church and a staff that 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 we're here together for each other to to walk through those hard times together. Maybe some of you are here today, and and, and there's a struggle in a relationship, or or, or so many. Different ways that we we need to look to the help of others to help us walk through this thing together. I started thinking about the reality that that as a church we uh, you know coming together a lot of times God has called us and He's going to be calling us yet again to take huge steps of faith to go where He is leading us. And so as we do those things together, obviously we want to talk about what it means to come together. But uh, I, when I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about this reality that that God has called us to to serve him. He has called us to live for him. And so this morning, that's sort of the focus. As we talk about doing this together, what we're talking about is is serving our Lord and Savior, living for him uh, as believers, as, as followers of Christ Jesus. And so this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. You know, Jesus, he understood that Christians standing together could accomplish most anything. How many of you believe that this morning? That when Christians come together, I mean, that's the whole idea uh, of, of Christian unity. When Christians come together, they can almost accomplish anything. And Jesus even recognized this. Jesus founded this, you might say. He established this for us, you might say. I love what we read in John 14, 12, where Jesus says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, listen to these words. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. Listen to what he says now. Jesus says this. He says, anyone who believes in me, anyone who is a follower of Christ, anyone who is a Christian will do the works that I do. Jesus isn't instructing us to go work, to go serve, to go do the things. He's saying if a person is redeemed by the power and blood of Christ Jesus, he will have a heart for service. That's what he's saying. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you will desire to do the works that I do. And just so I can be very clear, he says here, he says, and you will be able to do greater works than even... He accomplished. That is a tremendous message coming from the Savior himself. In other words, he says, you know, when believers come together through the power and grace of God, united through a belief in Christ Jesus, knowing that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, when believers come together like that, believing that God has called them and assembled them together for a higher purpose, for a vision that he himself has cast, when believers begin to do that, they can accomplish the unimaginable. And so Jesus says this to us in his word. And so for us this morning as we hear this, we have to be challenged by this. We have to wonder, you know, what are we, what are we called to as both individuals and collectively as a church? What is God calling me to do? Every one of us given spiritual gifts. Some of us having multiple spiritual gifts that, that enable us to go out and make a difference for his kingdom. We can do this together. We can discover together. We can learn together. We can grow together. We can serve together. And we can accomplish great things together in Christ Jesus. So as we think about we can do this together, let us not leave Jesus out of the picture because he is the head and we are the body, amen? And so let's dive into this this morning. Uh, I want you to turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be diving into a passage here in in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Actually, it's the third letter that he wrote. Uh, we, We don't have the second letter, but Paul refers to a letter coming between the first one he wrote and this one. But this is the Second Corinthians as we know it, uh, chapter six. We're going to read through verses one through ten, and you know, just to give you a little background, the, the Corinthians they were they were a church that that struggled a bit. Uh, we see a lot of the the corrections that Paul is addressing in his first letter as he's really challenging them to to get their life together, to pull their act together, you know, because they they were a troubled church and, and and so they they had a history of trouble. But the majority of the the Corinthians had repented. By the time we get to the second Corinthian letter, the majority of them had repented. They had turned away from sin in their life and all the different things that were causing havoc in the life of the church. And so they were now beginning to refocus on jesus christ and as they were refocusing on him you know we see this other letter come and and one of the things that paul is going to really speak about all throughout this letter is that the corinthians were now no longer ser, uh, focused so much on self and and sin in the world worldliness in the in the world but they were beginning to give of themselves to the lord and this is where I want us to see here. I want us to see here this morning as we read this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Read this with me if you will. Paul writing this letter, he says, This he says, Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found within our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions and hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness of the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying. And behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. And so Paul writes this letter. And there's several things that I want to point out. I I wish I could have time with you this morning to to just really lay every bit of this out. We just don't have time uh, today. But, But here's the thing. Basically, two things really should challenge us to the core as we read this passage together. And the first one is this. It's the call for Christians to work. It's the call for Christians to work. Now, I want you to... Hang in there with me for just a moment because you remember we read earlier where Jesus, he, he challenged us. He says, if you believe in me, you will do the things that I do. So Jesus says or makes it very clear that if, if we're going to be a follower of Christ Jesus, if we have been redeemed by the Holy Spirit of God, we're being sanctified and growing and maturing in our faith, then the reality is, the reality is, is that we will have a deep desire to serve him, to live for him, to live for his kingdom and the advancement of his kingdom, that we would live to see others come to know Christ. He, he says there will be this great work that builds up within you that you would be able to go out into a community and change lives forever. And so here's what we come to see Jesus talking about in that John fourteen twelve passage. But now in this passage, we see where Paul says, man, there is a call for Christians to work. And, and I'll be honest with you, today I said it in the video, but I'll say it again. We live in a world today of lazy Christianity. Can I just say that this morning? We live in a world today where people want to live for themselves, but they want to hold on to the banner of Christianity because they believe it buys them a little fire insurance. That's not authentic Christianity. That's not the heart of a redeemed That's not a heart of a true believer of Christ Jesus. We are called to work. And so here we see Paul immediately in this passage hit us right square in the face with truth of God's word that we are called to work with him. Look at this with me, if you will, in verse one. He says, working, and there it is, there's the word, working together with him. You see that? Underline that in your Bible, if you will. Working together with him. Here we see the word of God saying that as believers in Christ Jesus, and this is what Paul is really speaking of throughout this whole letter, talking about giving of ourselves, working together with him. Now look at what he says here. He says, then we appeal to you, look at this closely now. He says, working together with him, we appeal to you, look at this, not to receive the grace of God in vain, bam, right in our face. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, so you say, God has radically transformed your heart. You say that you are a believer, a follower, a disciple of Jesus. You say that God has transformed your life and that now you are a follower of Christ Jesus, that you have hope in Christ Jesus. Paul says, okay, well, does your life reflect that? Does the way you live your life reflect a transformed heart? It doesn't mean anything to go to church. That's not Christianity. We come into this place to worship God because he is worthy of our worship and we come into this place to gather with other believers whom God has assembled together, whom we call a faith family because we're all united together in Christ Jesus and he's called us into this place that we would serve our church and serve our city and serve our world all for the glory of God. That's what he's called us to. And so Paul says, If you say you're a believer, then don't live out your Christianity in vain because the evidences of Christianity is a heart that says, I want to serve him. I want to accomplish things for him. I want to live for him. That's the heart of a believer, and that's what Paul's saying here. You remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23? He says this. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. You remember that passage? That's one of those kind of hard to swallow ones a little bit. If you, if you really understand what is being said here. And let's just do this this morning. Let's just break this one down. I mean, this is the words of Jesus. This isn't some apostle. This isn't some pastor. This isn't a life group teacher saying, listen, we need to pick up our cross and follow him. This is Jesus, the the one whom we claim to be the Lord and Savior of our life. This is Jesus who says to us, Clearly, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Several things I want to point out here. First of all, he says, turn from your selfish ways. In other words, a mind and a heart that was once all about itself is now all about Jesus. You see, before Jesus came into our life, all we could think about was our own self. And Jesus, through redemption, he replaces that understanding that there is someone who is greater than I. And as we begin to embark on this journey with Jesus, as we begin to understand the the way God calls us to himself, we begin to realize that we are living for a greater purpose than ourselves. And so he says here, he says, listen, he says, turn from your selfish ways. In other words, there is salvation and then there is sanctification and all of this for the glory of God. We're living for Jesus now because we're turning away from our selfish ways. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, Paul says, I'm a changed man. Paul says, there's something different about me. I no longer live the way I used to live because Jesus has radically transformed my life. I now live for Jesus. And every authentic and every genuine believer in Christ Jesus, follower in Christ Jesus, should be able to testify to the same thing. Jesus says, pick up your cross. He says, take up your cross. In other words, there is sacrifice involved here, people. There is sacrifice involved. When we consider what Jesus did when he went to the cross, Jesus went to the cross to die. Jesus went to the cross that his blood would be poured out on the ground for the atonement of our sins. Jesus went to the cross to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, not his. Jesus went to the cross to make a tremendous sacrifice. And then now Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you've got to go to the cross. You've got to go to the cross. You've got to die of self. It's a tremendous thing that Jesus is pointing out to us here. He says, It's not about you. It's about me changing you, saving you, sanctifying you, maturing and growing you to be a kingdom servant like me. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, Pick up your cross daily. Christianity isn't Sunday morning. Christianity is not Sunday morning and whatever night your life group meets, Christianity is daily, consistently walking with Jesus, carrying your cross because you died to self and you live for him. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, unless we have a sufficient reason to sacrifice something we love the cost will always be too great. Let me read that again. Unless we have a sufficient reason to sacrifice something we love the cost will always be too great. And that's true. But here's my question here this morning. Shouldn't Jesus shouldn't Jesus be important enough for us to sacrifice ourselves to him? How many of you would testify to that this morning? That he is enough. I mean, we, we look at the passage here and we, we begin to realize that Jesus has sacrificed. He has called us to take up our cross. And Jesus should be sufficient enough for us to give up. To give up what? To give up worldly thinking. To give up sin. To give up selfishness in relationships. To give up a lot of things that we hold on to. To give up fear over our own health. And to even give up a little bit of our time that we could serve the church and serve the city and serve the world. Isn't Jesus important enough to give up something? We can do this together with him. But we can't accomplish much without him. And so here we begin to see that as followers of Christ, let us not receive God's grace In vain, because we were all called as believers to work for the kingdom of God. It's not just what you believe, it's about who you become. The second thing I want to point out here this morning, and I think this truth really challenges me, and I hope it challenges you because I think that's what God's Word should do. Amen. God's word should challenge us to response. God's word should challenge us to remember that he is great and we are not. It should respond. It should challenge us to, to consider in all humility who Jesus really is. And here we begin to read this and we begin to realize that there is a call for Christians to work. And this is the second truth and that our work is validated by our endurance. This is what Paul is pointing out here. He's talking about the reality that we are not living our life, our Christian life, in vain because we have embraced serving him for the rest of our life. And then he goes into talking about the things that we as believers have to endure. And all of these things are applicable to us today. You know, I was looking at this, and it's kind of it's remarkable how Paul does this. He says, listen, we're called to work but our work is validated when we endure. And then he, and, and you, the next question might be, well, endure what? And he says basically two things. Endure suffering, which is going to be a reality in our life. And then he says also endure virtues, through our virtues. And look at this with me, if you will. In verse 4 and 5, he says this. Let's just start out at verse 4. He says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, look at this, by great endurance. Paul is not saying, you know, as believers who are living for Jesus, we're not patting ourselves on the back. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, let's just pat each other on the back because we, you know, well well done, good and faithful servant. He's not talking about commending ourselves in that way. He's talking about our life proving that we have been redeemed, that we have been changed by the power and presence of a holy and righteous God by our endurance. In other words, people would be able to see in our life, the people that are living in hopelessness and darkness and sin, they would be able to look into our life and see that even through our suffering, we endure to the truth that we believe that he is king and we are not. So here he says this very clearly. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in, in, in every way by great endurance. Now look at this, verse 5. Through be, uh, through, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. None of these things are things that we want to have in our life, are they? I don't know when the last time I woke up and I said, I could use a good old beating today, you know? I, I, I just don't think like that. I, I hope today I starve to death, you know? That, that's not how we think, is it? I mean, we just don't wake up saying those things. But what Paul says here is that one of the ways that we validate this great work that Christ has done in us and that now we do for him, the way we validate that is how we endure in the suffering in our life. Suffering is a reality to every believer. When we have Jesus come into our life, that doesn't ensure that happiness will prevail the rest of our life. There are going to be hard times. Many of you are going through those hard times right now. But the reality is we must endure. And he challenges us. He says endure through these difficult times. I know this week for me, uh, this past week has been extremely stressful. I just can't, I can't tell you. There's just so much going on in my life right now. And it, I've just been slammed and it's just, it's been killing me. It's been extremely difficult for me. But the reality is, and this is just coming from God because the reality is the strength that I have to, continue to endure is coming from a strength that's not within my own abilities it's coming from a a a savior who loves me and has promised to strengthen me that i can accomplish even those bad weeks he's given me everything i need to endure but it's that endurance that validates the reality that there has been a good work in me Romans 5, 3, and 4 says this. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You know what that tells us this morning? That as believers in Christ Jesus, there will just be suffering in our life. Some of these things that we read a while ago will be so true for each and every one of us. But through Christ, we can do all things. Amen? Can we just worship Jesus through applause? Can we give him a hand this morning? Can we just thank Jesus for what he's doing in our life? I mean, I tell you, I I need him, and I I know that you do as well. He also says that we we validate our, our work by our endurance through particular virtues he lays out here. He says this, In verse 6 and 7, he says, We have endured by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness. In other words, one of the ways that our work is validated is through the endurance of remaining true to what God's word has called us to in the first place. To have a life that is in pursuit of righteousness. To have a life that says, Jesus, I love you and with my life I will prove it because the virtues of my life point to the reality that I love you and I want to live for you. And we endure in those things. We don't, we don't give in to sin every time it rears its ugly head. We, we live for righteousness. We pursue holiness. We, we live for that and what we do is we shun sin in our life. Because the godly virtues are what we want to hold on to. And Paul says in this, he says, he says patience, kindness, all of these things we hold on to. We live in a world where there are some bad drivers, aren't there? And they cut you off and boy, the patience virtue goes right out the window, doesn't it? The kindness one, oh, no, retribution is what sort of rears up its head, right? But Paul says, you know, when we remain patient with that person who obviously doesn't know how to drive, when we don't retaliate, when we don't get angry, we don't get frustrated, because life is too short to do so, And Jesus cares enough for us that he has done a great work within us. We endure by our virtues. So all of these things Paul is teaching us in this passage. We endure life circumstances, whether good or bad. We endure through all of this because it is evidence of our faith in Christ Jesus. This morning I want to sort of wrap up a little bit because we want to move toward uh, our Lord's Supper here that we're going to celebrate in just a moment. But I want to I want to move uh, into this by looking at one more passage. Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 it says this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet still sinners Christ died for us since therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God this is a truly encouraging passage to me and hopefully for you as well and that while we were yet still sinners Christ died for us Christ cares so deeply for us that He was willing to go to the cross and suffer. And with that belief comes this passion within for ourselves, to, for ourselves to also take up our cross and to follow Him, to sacrifice, to live for Him, to serve Him. I love this word in this passage in, in verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified this word justified it means that you and I stand before God acceptable you and I stand before God pure you and I stand before God holy and righteous because he has justified us by his blood God looks at us and he says there is no sin in that man there is no sin in that woman They have been justified by my blood. Jesus has done an incredible thing in our hearts. As true believers in Christ Jesus, we know this. We see this. We feel it. We love it. Because he is our rock he is our savior we have been justified this morning as we close we want to do things a little bit differently than we usually do typically what i would do is i would i would pray for us and the band will come up and 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 as soon as the band comes up they will and i finish in prayer we'll stand up and we'll begin to just worship jesus together and that's a a great way to end a service. But this morning, we're going to do things a little bit different. I'm going to ask the band to just come on up and let them come on up here and prepare. And then I'm going to ask for our men, if they will, to get ready to pass out the elements of the Lord's Supper. But I want to challenge us as a church this morning. If we would, to use the next few moments of this worship service as a time of reflection Remembering clearly that Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. That He gave everything in His sacrifice for the atonement of our sins. He died that we may live. How many of you celebrate that with me this morning, that he died that we may live? You know, partaking in the Lord's Supper is about celebrating that truth. It's about reflection. It's about thinking. It's about stopping for just a moment. It's not worried about where we're going to eat lunch. It's not all these other things. It's, it, it, here's what it is. It's stopping. It's pausing for just a moment. And remembering the great sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. That his body was broken. That his blood was shed. That he did a great work for us. That we would come together and do a great work for his kingdom. We can do this together. We can do this together. In just a moment, I'm going to pray And then instead of us standing and singing, would you just remain seated and let's worship God as individuals for this moment as we prepare to partake in the Lord's Supper. The men will be passing out the elements. But let us just pray. Let us, if you want to sing the song, just sing it within your heart. Sing it out loud if you want to, just not too loud that you disturb your neighbor. Let us worship God. And let us remember Jesus. Let us focus on him. Then we'll partake in the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for all that you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who was Lord willing to go to the cross and die for us. God, your word tells us that you you loved us so much that you would send your son to walk on this earth blameless and sinless that He would be worthy of going to the cross as our sacrificial Lamb. And Lord, it was on the cross that He was beaten. It was on the cross that He was speared. It was on the cross that He died. And after His death, He was buried in a tomb. He was buried in a tomb that was borrowed. In three days, he rose from the dead. Having victory over death, he became our Lord and our Savior of our souls. Father, we are thankful for the work of the cross. We are thankful for the work of Christ in our life. And Father, now we just want to worship you in our own way as we consider how amazing our salvation really is. And Father, I pray that today, Lord, that we would consider that we have been called to a greater work than ourselves and that we will not let our salvation be in vain.